Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. Sorry, we're a little bit delayed at the moment with the podcast episodes coming out. So you're going to hear some back-to-back episodes, uh, starting with this one, which is my chat with Jackie Allen. Uh, You may have heard of her from a bit of a combination of on-road triathlon racing and off-road triathlon racing great to catch up with her. She's one of the smiliest, friendliest people. And that, that obviously comes along, uh, comes across in our chat, uh, together. So this one's coming out and then, um, I will be bringing you, I guess, midweek, uh, our next chat, uh, with someone who I've been chasing to get on the podcast for a long, long time. That's all I'm going to tell you. I was very happy, though, that I caught the white whale. Is that right? Is it the white whale from Pinocchio? I think that's it. Let me know if I got that wrong. Anyways, enjoy my chat with Jackie Allen. It's really awkward staying silent looking at a camera, isn't it? 15 seconds is a long time. (laughs) I used to say 30 seconds, but now I'm like, screw it. I'm just cutting it down to 15 (laughs) because I can't do it. (laughs) Thank you for that. I reckon one of the most awkward times in my life is getting my hair cut when you're just staring at yourself in the mirror and someone's like sort of working around you and you're like, do I chat? Do they feel like chatting? I just, where do I look? Because I don't want to look at myself because no one looks good getting a haircut because like you've got hair and shit everywhere. It's just, I hate it. I hate getting my hair cut. Yeah. And you always have to look right into the mirror because they face you into the mirror. <laughs> So yes. I, I really don't want to look at myself right now. <laughs> Not looking good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a he- get my hair cut once a month. Once, uh, once a, a month. month. Once, once, a, once a year. <laughs> Not once a month. <laughs> yeah. Once a year. Yeah, yeah. I think mine's once a year, but that's purely because having my hair done, coloured and cut takes so long. It's like three hours. And the, like right now, I just don't have three hours to just sit there and stare at myself. And it's so uncomfortable. Like there's so many other things I'd rather be doing. So Yeah, then you see your back starts to ache as well. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got emails and things popping up on your screen that it's <laughs> rude to grab it. And then if you get your phone and try and look at it, yeah. And look down, you get in trouble because you're not meant to yeah. look down. She's anyway. like, can you move your head, please? And then you're trying to, like, poke through the foils. <laughs> yeah, not See, cool. that I don't know about because I don't colour my hair. I don't know how you can do it for three hours. I know. I, yep. That's why once a year is plenty. <laughs> uh, okay, now that we've covered off ha- haircuts <laughs> and hairdressing on a triathlon podcast, uh, welcome, welcome to the podcast Jackie, Alan, it is great to see you again. Thank you, Steph. It's been a while, actually. I used to see you around at races all the time, but I um, haven't really seen you much for, I think we met like a long, long time ago when my career was just starting out. And um, yeah, since then we've seen you on and off a little bit, but I haven't seen much mm. of you for the last couple of years, really. So I know, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you said... I th- 
think I met you years and years ago somehow because I can't remember either because it was so long ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't actually remember the the meeting moment. So I'm glad it's been significant for you as well. It was really significant, actually. <laughs> um, it was probably 10 years ago when Ben and I had just met, actually, and Babe Stapleton introduced us. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Your I remember it well, good. and you've flourished ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and we went. We did some. Did we do some photos of you two? I think it was when I was at the magazine. Yeah, it was when you were at the magazine, and we took you down to Anglesey and rode the Xterra <laughs> bike course. And I think it was the first time you've been on a mountain bike, and you're trying to film mm-hmm. and ride with us. Um, but you were bloody awesome. We did some great video. <laughs> oh, so I should. That should be my next career. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no ex in Australia at the moment, though, so you've got a bit of time to train a bit more. <laughs> All right, I'll work on it. It's one thing I've always wanted to do more, and this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because it's, um, I, I, I don't know, and it's my fault as well. I just haven't put enough focus on um, the, the off-road triathlon scene, um, but it's such a... Like I had so much fun that day. I really enjoy mountain biking, but I've just always found it hard to, it's just another time thing, especially mm. when you do long distance triathlon, then trying to fit that into it. And now I've had a kid and everything. I don't even fit normal like one hour bike rides on the road in anymore. Yeah. But yeah, do you think that's part of, um, what am I trying to say? Why do you think the the off-road triathlon scene hasn't, become as big as the on-road I guess in Australia because in Europe and other places it's it is quite big yeah for sure and it definitely hasn't taken off in Australia the way we would have liked it to um Mm. and I think that is the thing everybody in Australia is so into triathlon that you'd think it'd be an easy crossover but it's it's actually not that easy and it is another bike uh, another expense, uh, another time to focus on skill. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. very important. It's and another skill. <laughs> <laughs> and that's running and cycling. So that's not just sort of get get on a mountain bike and ride some trails. That's also run some trails and run some hills and do some technical focus. And it takes up a lot of time. And I think now I've started to work part-time, <laughs> now I see why um, age groupers can't fit everything in. I'm trying to plan for my athletes to, you know, do this session, that session. I'm like, if you're going to do an off-road triathlon, you need to be doing this at least once a week. But they just haven't got the time to do everything. Mm. And, you know, you don't just get fitness from mountain biking either. You need to road bike a little bit to get the fitness to mountain bike well. So, it's definitely yeah. a time thing and a bit of a fear factor. I think, you know, when you put your heart and soul into training for an Ironman or for a particular race, you don't really want to just throw in a mountain bike Xterra for fun, even because it is fun, but the risk of injury or hurting yourself is a lot bigger, really. And I think people yeah. don't want to take that risk when they put their heart and soul into to road triathlon and other triathlon as well. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that crossover—it's tough. Um, but you, for a while there, you in your career went between both. I don't want to say seamlessly because I'm sure it was a lot harder than it possibly looked. But what? Wh- why? Why were you doing both? 
Yeah. What, what, yeah. Crazy. And how did you get away with it? Yeah. I can't believe, honestly, Ben and I look back and we cannot believe what we used to do and to travel around with two bags and to be quite successful at both road triathlon and off-road. Um, mm. We just feel like there's no way you could do that now, actually, Steph. I think people, have, if you want to be good at uh, 70.3 road triathlon, you've really got to focus on riding that time trial bike well. And there's not really a crossover to be good at both anymore. They're just two different mm. Um, there's particular athletes which really focus on off-road now and then obviously you know the Ironman athletes and 70.3 athletes they have to invest everything into just being great at that sport because the level has just been raised but Ben and I now we just sit and look at each other and we're like we had the best times and we would literally go to Italy and one weekend we'd be racing Xterra the next weekend we'd be racing 70.3 Italy and we'd shove four bags in this little teeny tiny car <laughs> strapping things to the roof and travel around Europe and it was just not really professional <laughs> at all and we totally winged it I think but I think we were just young and fit mm. and just it didn't really matter then what really happened we were so new to everything that it was all like wow this is amazing and but then as you get older and get more experienced, you, you want to get better. And you can't do that by just like winging, winging it here, winging it there. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we did it for a little bit, but I definitely wouldn't recommend trying to do that now. <laughs> I do think, though, out of um, many triathletes on the circuit, you two really embraced the lifestyle of just travel, like you've, you, you two have been to so many different incredible places and like you say, we're quite successful. Um, I don't know, like you, it would have been hard. I'm not downplaying that whatsoever, but that lifestyle, I think you two were probably the two of the best in terms of getting that lifestyle um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not many triathletes in the world who make a lot of money um, in their career and focusing on a lifestyle kind of way of approaching it. I think you two nailed that. Yeah, definitely. And again, I, I really don't think you could do that now. Um, mm. But we totally did. But we mm. threw everything into it. I left a job as a firefighter to push to oh, I didn't know that one full time. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't. I don't think I knew that. That was, uh, yeah, my family, certainly my dad wasn't very happy with Ben. For, I left a really great job back in the UK to go and be a yep. triathlete that earned really no money. But we, <laughs> we threw everything into it. And when you do that, I think we just had to embrace the lifestyle. So for us to get to places, we had to do stuff for the race organizers, run clinics so that we could get free accommodation. We had to, yeah, run swim clinics, bike clinics, do training plans, um, go and visit schools just so we could get this free accommodation so we could put ourselves up to mm. for, the, for the race. And now we look back, we just met so many amazing people in doing that. But I feel like now it's certainly something you wouldn't do. Like I wouldn't be telling my athletes to go and run a swim clinic, you know, the day before the race, you know, a really yeah. important race. But for us, we have to do that to actually get by. And Ben was so good at that. He just, rather than sit around and just be ready for the race resting, he just 
used every opportunity and he'd message schools hey we're in the area do you want us to come out and speak to the kids and we could take him for a bike ride and he was just so forward with things like that and I just kind of tagged along a little bit and now I look back I'm so glad that he he embraced mm -hmm. that and he got us to do stuff like that because even just every race organizer particularly Ben because he was traveling from Australia he needed sort of someone to put him up he literally mm. lived off nothing like he put his card in the wall and nothing had come out and he'd go oh I've got no money and I'm like we're stuck in the middle of Switzerland here Ben and you've got no money <laughs> what are we oh gonna my do gosh. but he would certainly live life on the edge like that so I didn't quite get to that point I had a bit of savings <laughs> set aside <laughs> but um yeah it was just mental and he had to live like that and we yeah we went to and stayed at people's houses we went our best friends now actually they're they're from germany and we keep in touch with them really really regularly they came over for our wedding but when we went over to their first met them we they gave us the key to their apartment in the middle of like zittau in germany and we went in there and we're like oh there's no one here and there's a little note on the desk saying oh we, we're getting married this weekend just help yourselves to whatever you need feel free to use the place as though it was your own and we're like oh, do other people live here like is this a hostel or what is this place and then that weekend after the wedding they came back and we met them and they're just absolutely amazing people but who would do that like it's just my but that's God. how we got by and that's how we spent as little money as we could and just use what money we made to get to the next race really but I look back mm. now and all that that we did then I don't think it made us the best athletes or the best trainers but it got the word around about our lifestyle and the way we lived and we met so many people and then I think a few years later all that started to pay off I think we got mm. some really good sponsors later on and they all saw kind of the stuff that we did the way we lived our lives and they mm. sort of backed us from then onwards and now I think um we're still being backed by sponsors for those reasons really so it definitely yeah. all paid off yeah definitely and it, it well it's a big uh point of difference for for you too um over a lot of other athletes and and sponsors can recognize that so that's awesome yeah yeah that's good <laughs> I was just trying to think of um I think Flora Duffy might be one of the only people who can cross over okay. But, I mean, she's still not really doing – well, I shouldn't say still – you know, she's not doing long, long-distance racing. Yeah. But, yeah, like maybe maybe it's easier to cross over from that short course racing to off-road. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But out, yeah. out of anyone I can think of, we know that she can do really well at Xterra and obviously on the ITU circuit as well. But outside Definitely. of Flora, I can't – this is just off the top of my head. Everyone's probably screaming at this going, oh, there's someone else. Yeah, but there is a couple. Um, mm. Yeah, there is a couple who've crossed over, I think. There's a Mexican, Michelle Filippo, who races ITU, who crosses over and does a few oh. Xterra. It's not regular, but she's always yeah. really good. Um, yeah. And then I've had a few people in races, like I remember down in Anglesey, Annabelle Luxford raced, and I'm like, oh my God, Annabelle Luxford racing, you know, like it's gonna, I'm going to get second. And uh, it's just really strange when you see athletes that are so used to the time trial bike and you get on the mountain bike and that's when you sort of come into your own because I feel like 
as an off-road athlete, we really know how to race a mountain bike. Whereas if you're not used to it, you just you just pedal and you think you're going really fast. But compared to the girls that really race, you're not yeah. really going anywhere. I think Caroline Stefan was another one as well. I was like, oh no, she's turned up at the Asia Pacific Champ. She's gonna like beat me and Xterra, and I'm supposed to be good at this. And then you get on the bike and yeah, you just yeah, it comes see ya. Your own then. <laughs> yeah, see ya. Wasn't yeah. it that? <laughs> sure they came in um, long distance so I wouldn't even see them so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go back to way back when when you were a firefighter which is so cool I, I, I don't know what it is but I I just love hearing about women who are firefighters it just I love it do you do you ever watch the show Chicago Fire I think I've seen it a couple of times but okay. not not you know I'm not a regular watcher <laughs> Okay, I just need to know how real that is. Like, you know, have you ever watched those YouTube channels that they get um, like a, a lawyer to dissect a TV show that it's about lawyers and stuff? Yeah. I just, I want to, I want to hear a firefighter dissecting something like that so that we can find out just how legit that show is. How real uh, it is. The incidents are definitely few and far between. Um, <laughs> I work at a station that is very close to a really busy motorway, actually. So ah. really more of our role was to go out uh, to car road traffic accidents rather yeah. than fires. So, um, yeah, I went out to a lot of road traffic accidents, cutting people out of the car. That's quite realistic to what you wow. would see probably on a show. So um yeah that's quite a quite a bit of an art to do that it's not just I'll oh, grab the people out of the car like you know there's obviously a lot that goes into that um so I w- went out to a lot of incidents like that I didn't go to many fires I have to say I didn't go into a big fire and put a big massive fire out and pull someone out of a burning building um so much of our job in the end was about prevention so a lot during the day we would go and fit smoke alarms, go and do fire safety talks to vulnerable people. So we'd go into their homes, fit them alarm and tell them about fire safety in the home. So heaps of the work was about that and going out to schools. And I mean, everybody loves the fireys, don't they? They they think that like the fireys are wonderful, but there wasn't that many incidents and there wasn't really anything where I've really felt in a lot of danger that I went into either. So. <laughs> yeah right how long were you a firefighter for I am probably only about four years okay and yeah. what was your because from what I understand there's there's different roles at the firehouse um or, or, or different the seats in, the, in, in the truck is that what, not what you call it what do you call it I guess I could call it a fire station <laughs> <laughs> yep that yes I I actually know that I yep but sure <laughs> at the firehouse it looks very homely oh, at funny. the fire station. Well, um, do you know when, I guess when I first started, um, I think my first year there was like 2006, there was 16 people on a watch. So there's 16 firefighters on and there was four watches. So we covered like 24 hours and we had beds and um, there was two fire trucks with five people on each truck and then there was like two specials vehicles so there was like a a road traffic collision special vehicle which two people drove and two people drove um like an aerial truck which lifts up to like um we called it an alp which lifts up to like high rise and things yeah and 
when I left, like only four and a half years later, there was no beds and there was five or possibly seven on a watch. So that's how much they'd cut oh, the wow. down in that short space of time. Obviously, they didn't feel it necessary to have all those fireys at one station. So just a, a huge change just from when yeah. I was in there, really. So, yeah. Wow. Mm. Far out. I, if, this is basically just from watching TV shows. But I imagine... I mean, and it makes sense. Um, f- firefighters need to be problem solving. Needs to be one of their greatest skills and fast problem solving. I imagine. Yeah. Is is that something that you learnt over time before applying to be a firefighter, or is it like that sort of led you to that kind of role? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'd always actually worked. I'm from a really hard working family. And from the age of 13, I worked in my dad's fruit and veg shop. And then at the age of, as soon as I was 16 and I could get a real job, not like a little Saturday job with my dad, um, I worked for leisure. So I worked as a lifeguard and then quickly made my way up to leisure management. And you dealt with a lot of those scenarios then. So it's like managing a team of lifeguards, managing high school pools, managing up to like a big leisure facility so you're doing lots of communication lots of dealing with staff lots of problem solving and and I really really enjoyed that job and I think I attained loads of skills from that Mm. job um to allow me to be successful in the selection process for the fire service I didn't really struggle with anything in the fire service I think the only one I struggled with on the physical was you had to do um, a press, like a stand-up press, and push yeah. a bar of 25 kilograms to this white line. And I was literally on my tiptoes and my tippy fingers to get this bar over the line, and I just about got it. Um, wow. What I loved, like, they'd show you how to, like, there'd be a hose, and you'd they'd show you how to put it together, and then you had to do it yourself and just – I was just good at following. Once someone showed me, I just picked it up really quickly. I was quite good at practically things like that, really. And I guess I was just a very calm, calm person. Like, I've never really struggled when I've been out with people on rides, like a couple of friends, a friend who I used to have, he was a lawyer. So he was really smart, very clever, and we used to ride together. And he could not figure out how to change a tyre like an inner tube in a tyre. And for me, that's so logically easy. But he just could not get it at all. And I think it's just different minds, isn't it, the way that you work, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Street smarts, book smarts, visual news. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, You would never really know that now, though, because now I've got Ben. I just played (laughs) a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Uh, were there were there other women um, at the time that you were applying for the f- f- fire brigade? Mm. Do you call it fire brigade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fire brigade. Yeah. yeah, there was actually. So on my course, oh, wow. there was actually five of us out of probably there's probably fourteen guys and then five, maybe six ladies. And yeah. one of them actually, she was a professional basketball player. And we both got in at the same time and we both left at the same time to pursue sport. And she now lives in Perth, Australia. So (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, there you go. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So she so, was, she was extremely good as a firefighter as well. She was tall. She was strong. She was yeah. She was the best one out of the group, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you think you would ever go back, or that that's that's done? Yeah. People ask me that, but I think it's done now. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. I um. Yeah. I I'm. I enjoyed going to the incidents, but it was definitely a nerve-wracking feeling because you didn't know what you were going to get and if you were going to be able to deal with it. And every time that, like, alarm went off and before you knew what the incident was, my tummy would go over and be like, oh, God, I hope I'm going to not let the team down. I think I hope I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do in this role. So it it was very, very nerve-wracking, actually. That's interesting you say that it was about not letting the team down. As yeah. opposed to, because I thought you were going to say, you you know, you'd get a bit nervous or a bit funny about what was at the other end. Like you yeah. didn't want it to be a particular uh, incident or whatever. But your yeah. thing was about yeah. the team. Doing That's the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I think what was at the other end, it didn't really bother me too much actually. Like I'm okay at dealing with that. But I just didn't want to be that person that couldn't connect the hose reel or couldn't lift something off the truck or took the wrong thing piece of equipment so that we couldn't do our job properly I didn't want to yeah. Do that person. <laughs> yeah right oh wow so okay so you're in the you're in the fire brigade you're you know got this incredible career ahead of you and then you meet the love of your life who steals <laughs> you away from this solid career <laughs> I'm just speaking on behalf of your dad. <laughs> yeah. uh, how did you, how did you meet Ben, and and how did how did you come to that conclusion that you were ready to take the plunge? Because it's a big call. It is, it's it's a big career change. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it, to be fair, it was actually um, before I met Ben that I did take a year off to pursue triathlon. Oh. Right, okay. So um, I took a year sabbatical from the fire service, and this was leading up to London 2012 Olympics, actually. And um, not that I really was probably ever going to go, but there was about six British girls, and I was sort of there in the mix, like maybe if I just invest all my time into this, there might be a little chance. So I got some amazing sponsorship from a local sponsor in the UK in Stoke-on-Trent um, who gave me like a ridiculous amount of money. Probably, I mean, not that much now really, but enough that I could say, do you know what? I'm going to take a sabbatical from the fire service and I'm going to go somewhere and train full time and see where triathlon takes me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I did. Uh I got a coach how, how, and sorry how did that conversation go with your with your dad it, that was actually okay because I mean even for me it was like well you know after this year of traveling doing triathlon I'm going to come back to my job like the fire service right. is going to welcome me back in with open arms and <laughs> I'll just you know go back live in the house sweet. that I've got in the UK and it'll be wow I've had a great year but but I didn't really realize how successful I wasn't super successful but I was successful enough that it kept me you know I think I can give a little bit more here and I actually want to 
keep going and, and stoke the fire a little bit I went out to Noosa I actually came to Australia that was my place I was like that's where oh I've heard all the triathletes go there Australia I think is where I want to go and have a go at training and I didn't know anyone and I oh. got to Sydney and I just drove up the coast and stopped off at where did I stop off Sydney I had a couple of days in Sydney trained with a few groups there and then moved up to Lennox Head and Byron Bay um, and then Runaway Bay. And I was like, oh, this is where I want to be. Everything's here. I've got the running track right next to the facilities. Um, this is where I'm going to be. And then I was like, oh, I'll just go up to Noosa and see what it's like there. So I went up to Noosa and everything just fell into place there, really. Mm-hmm. Um, met Belinda Granger at the pool, <laughs> like the first person I saw. I'm like, who is that woman? She looks amazing. Like, she has got to be professional. <laughs> and I did a bit of Googling. Of course, it was Belinda. And and just, yeah, there it just worked out really well, actually. We I rang around a few places to see if I could get some accommodation. And one lady had a granny flat. So I just moved in there for four months and trained my little heart out without really realising how good I was getting because I was with all these great athletes and just doing the bunch rides and just being consistent with training and then came back in May did a 5k race and did a, like an amazing time still my PB now and then oh, no way. yeah like 17:30 or something I haven't even come close to that ever since <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, did the European Cup in Strathclyde and won the bloody race like and this is going to be like the commonwealth games in the next two years where everyone's like oh my god she's gonna be really good and i'm mm. like oh my god i'm gonna be really good and, <laughs> and then it wasn't smooth sailing after that really and it was the end of that year where i i crossed over and did a, an xterra race and then met ben actually so it started oh. from there and obviously i was like no i'm gonna go back to work and ben was like why don't you just see if they'll give you another year off so I was like, yeah. okay. So I approached them. I was like, can I have another year off? I'm doing really well. And they, you know, they were super supportive. And I got another, oh, cool. in the end, I got two and a half years off before it was like, well, are you going to come back or what yeah. sort of thing? And that was when, that was the hard decision, I guess, because that was like, okay, I'm really going to leave. And yeah. Ben was like, oh, I can support you. I'm like, how are you meant to support me? He doesn't earn anything himself. He's like, no, we can make it work. I promise you. And I'm like, oh, God. And that's what we did. And I remember going back, actually, and telling my mum. I was like, mum, I've met this really nice Aussie guy, and I think he thinks we can both be really good at Xterra, and we're going to follow this world tour around and try and be the power couple of Xterra. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, then. You've only just met this person. But it actually worked. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that was that, really. Yeah. (laughs) What? How much do you think was... Yep, I can make this a career, but also, yep, I want to make this relationship a thing as well. Like, yeah, because obviously that that played a big part of the decision yeah. as well. Is that you're committing pretty much to Ben, not just yeah. your career? I never really thought about that actually. <laughs> or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah. I don't know. That bit came really easy. There was never mm. at the start. There was never like, oh, what if this doesn't work out? It was just like 
this is going to work out and that's it like there was never any question in that yeah um, yeah it was yeah that's was, cool yeah it's pretty cool now I'll look back at it and think about that it was obviously all Ben and never really never really considered he was just the person I guess yeah so, right yeah well yeah clearly it has worked out you are now well you were Jackie Slack now Jackie Allen yes so suggesting it all worked out quite well yes it worked out well <laughs> yeah <laughs> Please excuse this very brief interruption. I would like to tell you about Eat For You. They make healthy and delicious bars. My personal favorite is the Hero Bar, which is chalk peppermint flavored. Also, it's Frankie Flo's favorite flavor. Whew, that is a mouthful. Uh, but they also do some really cool things within the community, including the Give A Bit program, which I'm an ambassador for. If you use the WitsUp10 code at checkout on their website, you not only get a 10% discount, but they also tally up all of the WitsUp10 codes from all across the lands. And from that, they give us food to give to a community or a charity of my choice. As far as the bars go, the things that separate them from the pack are that they don't use protein powders, fillers, or sweeteners. So there's no preservatives, nothing in there, just all good food. Uh, their bars are vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They've all been lab tested and confirmed. Plus, they are also all batch tested. So you know you're getting high quality products that are also safe. And their packaging is plastic-free and home compostable. So they're just doing all the things that are great for people, great for the planet. It's just greatness. And I highly recommend that you jump on their website and use that code WITSUP10 when you check out to make sure you get your 10% discount and the warm, fuzzy feeling knowing that you are part of the Give A Bit program. So, okay, so let's wind back even further. Um, you, and and I, we've been joking about it, but you said your dad was like, what What the hell are you giving up this great career? Was he, was he particularly passionate about firefighting or like what what did he do no he wasn't particularly passionate about firefighting <laughs> actually um but he was you know we were very much a family that got a job worked got a house got a mortgage got paid your mortgage off as soon as you can um i am the only one in my family i have loads of cousins that has moved 5k further away from home so they all right. live very very close to each other and they're like a beautiful lovely family and that's how they live their lives but I'm sort of the only one that's moved been a bit adventurous and I think my mum would have been quite adventurous she was the one that always took me to swimming galas we always went trotting off around the country and mum would just get in the car and drive us and we'd use a map to figure out where we're going she was super independent like that so I think I'll probably get it from here but my dad was real homely the slacks owned five fruit shops in the local area ah, so yeah. uh, that's what my dad did um and then he retired a few years ago and sold off a few of the shops and now just invests a little bit in property and he was always just that, um, how do you say, do you say like a devil's advocate or something or not, you know, the person that you're like, oh, this is going to be really good and mum's like, yeah, just have a go. But my dad's like throws stuff in and say, oh, well, what if this doesn't work and what are you going to do about this? And yep. it wasn't that he wasn't sort of 
he wasn't really supportive in terms of, well, it'll be all right. I'll help you if you need anything. He was like, well, go off and do it and try not to ask me for anything. But if you really need me, I'm still here sort of thing. So, and he right. didn't really know, like he'd never been to watch me race or he'd only say that, he'd only come up to him and say, oh, you did well in that race because his friends had seen it in the newspaper and said, oh, your daughter did really well in the race. And then he'd go, oh, yeah, you did well in the race, didn't you? And I'm like, I told you that, Dad, but he just did for me. Like, he didn't really listen to me, so other people had to tell him. But And I think he came and watched me then at Xterra, England. Yeah. And the first time he's ever watched me do a triathlon, I think he felt a bit pressured into like watching it because it was at home my mum was sort of getting on at him and his partner to come and he came and watched me and he loved it and I think from then on he sort of was like oh actually like she's she's doing quite well so and I've never yeah. asked him for anything like I've never asked him for money or to support us or just a few yeah. weeks from the airport that's all so <laughs> I think he's sort of accepted it a little bit now but I did feel sorry for Ben when Ben used to come back and my dad was always like, but how are you going to support her? And how how are you going to do this? And mm, that's not very much money you made at that race, was it? Like, that, after all your costs, that doesn't really give you much to live with. He was always one of them, you know. So. Got it. Yeah, working class, realist. Yeah, yep. very much Straight so. to the point. Yeah. And I guess yeah. I'm a little bit like that compared to Ben. Like Ben's yeah. a dreamer and I'm yeah. the, the realist, but the, probably the one who takes a few more risks and maybe yeah. not as risky as Ben. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Guess, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, he was the realist, I suppose. Yeah, you, you're sitting in the middle of, um, between Ben and your dad, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, bit of both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think that works. I mean, it works well in our relationship. I'm more of the dreamer, and we'll just go off and do things. And uh, although that's starting to change a little bit since having a kid, I've had to just <laughs> think about things a little bit more. Um, but yeah, Brett's always been the realist and the but. I'm like, no, no, no buts. Yeah, let's just do. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes we need those people in our lives for sure. Yeah, yeah, a good, yeah. good teamwork, I guess. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? <laughs> yes, one younger brother, two years younger than me. Still yeah. lives in Stoke on Trent, where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and two sort of half sisters. My parents split up when I was about fourteen, and have both been with sort of long term partners ever since. So, not blood related, yeah. but grown up with two sort of sisters as well. Yeah. Yeah. And how close are you to to them? Um, not super close, but just that yeah. sisterly feeling where you know that we can just call each other or see each other, and everything's really cool and normal, and right. it's not awkward. Or I'm pretty close with my brother now, probably more so in the last couple of years. He's had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. three years old so I sort of speak to him on a weekly basis and I think because of COVID they've all had to slow down with their lives so they have made a bit more time to Skype and so yeah. um, I feel quite close to my brother at the moment actually I yeah my brother's pretty awesome he uh, does his own thing but he's a really really good person he's a great husband a uh, great dad I'm uh, super proud of him he's just a really Aww. lovely person he has come to Australia a couple of times. He came over for work a couple of times yeah. and he's spent a little bit of time with us. So we are super close, actually. Definitely closer yeah. as we get older. 
definitely miss yeah. miss him a lot. Yeah. yeah Even though I think yeah. when I'm when I'm home, he's I wouldn't see him all the time. It wouldn't, you know, all the time go around to each other's houses and stuff, but we just this really nice closeness, like this unconditional love that yeah. I'm really like proud of everything that he's done. So yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. nice. Yeah, I miss him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think he would say the same about you? Uh, I think he would quietly. Yeah, he puts on a bit of a massage, <laughs> just my brother, but he's super sensitive and super sweet inside. And although he doesn't say the words because he's probably a little bit embarrassed, or uh, I know when I first did triathlon and I'd gone away like for years at a time and not really home that much. And I used to used to like send me little notes. It's like I'm really proud of, of you, my sister, for what you've done and everything that you've achieved. And he can't really say it out loud, but he writes like, you know, in my birthday card, he'll always make an effort to write a few paragraphs to say he's super proud of everything that Ben and I have achieved and he's really sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember. I, I can't imagine my brother ever, ever writing anything like that. Yeah. Far out. He's really nice, yeah. <laughs> but he's not yeah. like if you saw him, he's the big I am, like, oh, I don't, I don't care about my sister sort of thing, but I know that he does really. <laughs> oh, that's a bit cute. Yeah, it's a bit cute. cute. <laughs> oh, far out. Do you think, um, just sidebar, um, well, a few years ago when I came up to Wollongong to spend some time with the Wizards and everything, and, and you and Ben organised for me to stay at the yeah. house, which is unreal. I forgot so about like, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was do, trying to, I was mostly doing some work with Gwen, I think, back then. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stayed at the Allens. The Allen house with Ben's mum and dad. <laughs> I feel like the Allens would take in strays left, right, and centre. Like that's just the the <laughs> which I was definitely a stray. <laughs> you were definitely not a stray, but <laughs> they were just they just loved it. Actually, that's their life, really, mm. and they love knowing people that Ben and I meet, and you know, because Ben and I didn't really have a home then. And all these people all over the world used to put us up in all of these places. And then Ben would always say, oh, come come visit Wollongong. And when they actually did, I was like, well, have you asked your mum and dad if they can stay? <laughs> he's like, they won't mind. And I think he's had people when Ben's been away, he's had French people knock on Ben's mum and dad's door and said, oh, Ben says I can stay. My name's Aurelian. And <laughs> He said, I can stay with you for the next couple of weeks. And Ben's mum and dad just <laughs> invite them in and make them welcome. And we've had heaps of people stay with us. I think Flora stayed, Bob stayed, Glenn yeah. stayed. Like, yeah, loads of cool people. So Wow. Yeah. The thing is, I can I can imagine both Ben not really giving his parents a he heads up just because <laughs> he's so chilled. Yeah. And but I can equally imagine his parents just going, Oh, yep, cool. Okay. We've just started dinner as well. Do you want some dinner? Or if you don't eat what we've got, I'll just duck out to the yeah, supermarket exactly. and cook you something specific. I can just totally imagine yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And that was a real eye-opener for me because English people, we're not really like that so much. Like, yeah. I mean, for one, our houses are so small that you can't <laughs> anyone else in. So if someone's like... I'm passing by or certainly where I live, lived in Stoke it wasn't the place 
you'd come to Australia to visit, not Stoke-on-Trent. And so <laughs> it wasn't really a, a thing. Like, we had family stay and stuff, but um, I wasn't used to staying at other people's houses. It was always, you know, you look after yourself, and if there's no stay, then you, you, you book accommodation. Whereas for Ben, he's always been brought up like that, and because of his family, mm. I've always welcomed people in. I guess Ben's like, well, you know, my family would do the same. So he was okay with staying at other people's places. And and yeah. I got used to that in the end, actually. Like, it was so weird when Ben was like, let's get a homestay. I'm like, what the heck is a homestay? Like, <laughs> what is this? But he, for him, it was totally normal. So, yeah. 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 No, it's definitely one of, yeah it's, and it's, it's definitely one of the coolest things about um, the sport. Uh, for sure is I mean I've stayed in homestays across across the world as well um when, when we were on our honeymoon we raced at Challenge Roth then went to watch the Tour de France um and watch the women's race the La Course and then I just put it out on Facebook and said oh we want to head um into the mountains does anyone know anyone and have you have you been to Morzine yeah yeah. Yeah. So Amelia um, uh, at well, it's called Buzz Performance now, but uh, oh my gosh, I've Amelia and Joe, who are actually Tasmanian, where I'm originally from, were like, yeah, come and stay with us. But they actually have a lodge where they host people. But they're like, yeah, we'll figure all that out later. But if you need somewhere, come and hang out. And we're like, all right, cool. Yeah. 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 So good, yep. isn't it, Lata? So good. Yeah. We actually that's- lived in, we stayed in France for like in between a couple of races, like Xterra France and another race, and <clears throat> we hadn't got any accommodation. <laughs> Clearly we like turned up and the organiser of the race invites us around for dinner and he's like, where are you going to stay? And we're like, we don't know. We'd like to stay here for the next three weeks. And he's like, oh, my sister's got an apartment in town and she's not living there right now. Would you like to live there for three weeks? And we're like, oh, Yes, please. Like, that's <laughs> so, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. yeah. As long as you – yeah, I mean, I don't think everyone could do that and it was obviously a steep learning curve for, for you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good good people. You put it out there and good people – well, good good people give and then good people like you and Ben, um, yeah, good yeah. things happen to you. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so cool. So, so cool. <laughs> So, so what does a day in the life look look like for you these days? What are you, what are you up to? Mm, pretty different. Um, twelve months ago, pretty much. Oh, twelve months ago, last April, just before COVID hit, mm. um, we brought our own house. So the last couple of years mm. of our careers. Ben just wanted to continue as we were going and I really wanted a house like I wanted to put some roots down and I felt like Mm. my training would go better if I was now in one place Um, I liked Wollongong we already created like a good network around us and I was like I really 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 want a house and you know I think it's time I was what probably 35 then and I had already had that life in the UK Mm. before being an athlete and then done this 10 years of travel and living out of a suitcase but I was ready to sort of settle down Mm. and I didn't want to go from race to race anymore I wanted to go and race but I wanted to go to that race and be like ready for that race have a great race Mm. and then come home 
and get back into my routine training. So any case, we brought house and believe it or not, we brought the house off Gumtree. What? <laughs> Which is crazy. Like Ben's mum saw this house on Gumtree. We'd been looking for probably six months and we just couldn't afford anything. We were, it, the bank could only lend us so much and that was based on a triathlete wage some coaching income we had quite a good coaching income and that was it so we didn't have very much money at all um and yeah Ben we'd been looking for ages and was getting over real estate agents because we'd go to this property and then it'd sell for like 70,000 more than mm. what it was asking I'm like we're just we're not going to be able to afford anything and then yeah Ben's mum found this place on Gumtree and within two <laughs> hours she'd like gone in the place spoke to the person that was sort of tidying cleaning the house sort of ready for sale and said oh Ben Jackie go have a look at this house like it could be really good for you so we went round um a couple of hours later and within eight hours we brought the house the offer we put an offer in the offer had been accepted and it was all going through so and it's bloody amazing the house is great it's a five bedroom house so plenty of room for everyone to come and stay it's got an amazing view at the back um it's got a garage for all of our stuff and it's in a really nice area and it's five minutes from where I actually work now I've got a little part-time job and like I can literally roll 800 meters down the hill and I'm at work so Wow, five bedrooms. You're going to be a triathlon Airbnb. Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. That's, that's what I wanted, though, to be honest with you. Mm. All those people that have stayed with us, or we just want to give back. And now I've got used to having people around all the time. It's like, yeah, just go yeah. stay and just give back to what everybody. The way I, I just thought people were so cool that they just did mm. that, you know. Just come and stay, heat the keys in the lockbox, help yourself to food and you might not see me for a few days, but so yeah. any case, like so but we we didn't actively go and look for a big house. It just happened to be a big house for a good price and it was on Gumtree, so it was affordable. <laughs> affordable. Wait, but, so um, was did, did it end up being through a real estate agent or it was strictly a private sale? Yeah, we didn't go through a real estate agent at all. Complete private wow. sale. So yeah, Ben like rang the lady and we were both like really nervous putting the offer in. And she said, okay, I'll bring you back. And she rang back straight away and she said, I'll accept your offer. And I mean, the solicitors are the ones that do really all of the nitty gritty stuff anyway. So yeah, yeah, I think the house would have gone for a lot more actually, but Ben being the lovely guy that he is on the phone to the lady and you know, Ben's mom, <laughs> she's like asking all the right questions. <laughs> so being nice oh really paid off so yeah um, actually this is going to be a terrible story because I don't remember exactly what happened but essentially long story short one of my mates dads bought a, a piece of land on eBay I kid you not like in the middle of Scotland or something he's yeah. from Australia which yeah. is so random yeah so has he built what's he done with the land I think um, he moved over there, stayed close, oh, and built. Amazing. And then just moved to some random, I think it was Scotland. That's I think, so anyway, good. so random. How cool is that? Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so life is being around the home a lot. I don't go to coffee shops as much because I've got my own little coffee machine and I like making my own coffee now and sitting on my yeah. deck and 
Um, but yeah, we've just got lots of space and we got a dog, a little puppy, just before um, we moved yes. in. Uh, uh, totally besotted by him. And what kind of dog? He's a Kelpie, a purebred Kelpie. So, yeah, so he's amazing. Um, work's not far away. Um, Ben's actually just started a new job working um, as a driller in the local mine. So he's working in the coal mine. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, he's doing that for uh, like three days a week. And then we'll just, he gets, he works um monday tuesday wednesday afternoons and so do i and then the rest of the time we just got to train and we still you know we still want to go to races um yeah. obviously xterra was our thing and all the xterras are really overseas and we can't really travel overseas anymore um yeah. well we can but we just want to go for one or two races and then come back. We can't sort of go over there and risk risk being stuck over there anymore. So we're just yeah. doing some races in Australia and doing heaps more mountain bike races, which has been amazing. Um, yeah. Getting really good on the mountain bike now compared to sort of some of the, you know, better girls in Australia who just mountain bike. And we're, do, we're doing an adventure race. So we'll do the Red Bull Defiance again. Uh, this year if we can get to Cairns in eight weeks time and um, we're just yeah. doing some good stuff like that really it's pretty good not training nowhere near as much which yeah. um I found really hard at first definitely not sort of feeling as fit as I used to be I sort of it's so funny actually when I stopped doing good going from like 25 hours to 15 and mm. 15 is still a lot of training I think for somebody that works I actually like made heaps of improvements like my body just felt really really recovered and I'm going wow. out on the bike and I'm like hitting all these numbers and I'm like what the heck is going on here like these numbers are insane but now I'm feeling the pinch a little bit <laughs> I've sort of gone yeah. right back down but now we, yeah. we still love getting out there and keeping fit and we enjoy the trails a lot more yeah. now I guess but, yeah, I think if some Xterra races were to come back on the calendar that were easy for us to get to, we'd sort of knuckle down again and still yep. be successful at that. But we're just enjoying some other things right now, which is good. We we awesome. like life, simple life right now, and it's really good. Yeah, right. Yeah, you seem happy. You're smiling throughout this entire chat. Yeah. So so that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. So. As far as, um, and this might be not too personal, but feel free not to answer this, but as far as sponsors go, how do you, because you have gone from a very sort of specific kind of career, travelling globe, doing all of this, um, and I'm aware that there's also been a pandemic, so that changes everything for everyone. But how, how do you go with with sponsors and sort of changing their mindset into what, what you both want to do now? Or is sponsorship not even like that's just kind of a bonus for you at the moment? Yeah, it's definitely still there. And I think, you know, because we're not racing quite as much as we were 
Um, that's where I said to you, I think everything we've done in the past is paying off a little bit now because we've built such amazing relationships with sponsors. And every mm. time our sponsorship comes round, and I know I was performing really well towards the end of COVID, but Ben probably wasn't performing as well as he previously was. But the sponsors were just like, yeah, like sign you up for another year. Like you guys are just really good ambassadors. You're always super positive. And I just mm. feel like all that work that we did all those years ago is paying off now. And now it is a bonus. And the relationships we've got with the sponsors are just insane, really. Mm. Um, I mean, we never really had, Steph, we never really had sponsors that paid us like big wages or um you know we're like super driven by us performing at races that wasn't the kind of sponsorship mm. that we actually got it was certainly more about the lifestyle and definitely for Ben mm. like even if he had a terrible race and I got the the brunt of like the shit this is shit I hate my life the sponsors never no one ever really saw that and he was still he was very honest super genuine and still always positive about what he did and we've yeah. always been like that. We've always made so much effort to sort of put sponsors and other people a little bit before sort of our own performances. And we do feel mm. that's been recognised now. And that's great. Yeah, it's sponsors- certainly something I noticed with you, with both of you, for sure. Yeah. That's like standout. Yeah. Like we, you know, we say like, oh, you know, we're not doing quite as much quite as much for our sponsors we're not really racing like do you think we should go and do this race for them and and then we'll chat to the sponsors because we know a lot of them on a personal level now and they're like no I'm really happy to support you again you guys are doing a great job and we're like and I think Mm. you know maybe we could have made some decisions a few years ago where we'd uh, had a bit more money or gone you know switched to a better deal with a bigger sponsor or did something to for the then and the now to get something more out of them but all of our sponsors are just so long term that they've just still sticking by us sort of through the pandemic and I guess finishing off towards the end of our careers until we sort of say like I think it's time like we moved on now and we're we're really not going to race anymore so yeah like it's just really really great relationships and we're just super grateful that they've all seen that in us and um, we are still doing stuff in the sport really like we coach athletes and um, we are still racing just more on a local level at the moment Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so yeah we just that's awesome yeah we've got such a lovely group of people around us and great relationships and I know my live contract is coming up at the end of this month and there's been a few changes there, but we've just mm. had such a good relationship that they're like, you know, we'll, we're always going to look after you and Benny. And Ben and I used yeah. to travel there every year. We used to do a, an annual trip to Melbourne and we used to have like five mm. different meetings planned in the space of a day or something like that. And we'd go down and meet them. And I just think that is just really pays off in the long term. Yeah. They know your face and even when yep. things aren't going great, you can explain to them what's going on. And, yeah, I think good people find good people, don't they? So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's there's definitely um, a good, not level, but, uh, well, a good level of authenticity uh, from, from you too. And I definitely recognised that years ago. And it, and it does speak volumes and it's 
yeah, I like that you say that there's there would have been potential opportunities elsewhere um, to to chase more dollars, but that just wasn't what you two are about, or isn't what you two are about. And I think yeah. that's um, I think that's unfortunately quite rare. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's full credit to both of you. Hmm. Thanks. Yeah, and we've got <laughs> sponsors that we love too, like. They're not yeah. just sponsors because they sponsor us. Like they're sponsors mm. that we actually provide us with like the best gear and yeah. equipment and support and the people, yeah. you know, sponsorship I think works two ways as well. Everybody's mm. like, oh, you know, the sponsors are giving the athletes everything. So the athletes should do everything for the sponsor. But the sponsor's got to pay interest in you as well to make it work. Because mm. if a sponsor's not interested in you or your performances or doesn't get back to you on the email, yeah, they might give you free stuff or a little bit of money. But if they don't really connect with you, then even yep. for us, it's like, oh, well, you know, they didn't really make too much of an effort with us. And even though they're giving us free stuff, like, the relationship fizzles out a little bit. Yeah. So I think yep. it works both ways. It's, it is finding the right people that suit what you're about so yeah absolutely couldn't agree more and I love it uh I'm very well aware that this is ooh, nearly an hour done but I what I just want to circle back to I asked you a question uh when we were hooking up to have a chat and that was what's something that you've changed your mind about in the past few years and you wrote dogs formula one and walking and I want to I want to unpack those uh three things <laughs> Let's start with dogs because I assume that's got something to do with your uh, new housemate. Who? Yeah. What's the dog's name? Uh, Ollie. Ollie. Ollie, a boy? Ollie's a boy, yeah. All right. Why a Kelpie? Um, well, I never wanted a dog, Steph. I wasn't really an animal person, actually. What? Yeah, exactly. I grew up, there was a dog in the family, sort of, that we inherited, but I was never like, oh, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. I love the dog. Never. And Ben was like, I really want to get a dog. Like, I think he wanted a friend. <laughs> he wanted some companionship. <laughs> he was like, I want to be able to take it for walks and runs. And I'm like, no, I don't really want a dog. They're smelly. And... In any case, we he chose a Calpie again off Gumtree. So Gumtree is our friend. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's going to be your new sponsor is Gumtree. <laughs> yeah. It was just before COVID, actually. And the guy was like, oh, can you come and pick the dog up? like a week early because all this stuff that's going on at the moment I'm fearing you might not be able to travel so we went and picked up this beautiful eight week old little Kelpie dog it's just absolutely gorgeous and we moved into our new home and oh my god I'm in love with the dog (laughs) like now I see why people love dogs so much he's absolutely amazing and I was like Again, the, you know, he's an outside dog. He won't sleep in our bed. He's in our bed every night. Like, <laughs> sucker. <not. laughs> Total sucker. Like, oh, yeah, he's great. Love him to bits. Like, it's so good to have him around. Yeah. Uh, dogs are the absolute <laughs> best. And I'm I'm so glad that you have figured that out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Even when someone else's dog comes up now, I'm like, cuddle them and pat them and go, oh, isn't that a cute dog? And before I wouldn't, it wouldn't even bother me, but maybe the connection with all animals. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad I'm only finding this out about you now, about dogs, because I'm not so sure uh, we could have been friends in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but eventually, well, probably even now, Kelpie will be a great dog, a great running partner as he's, well. Yeah, he's running with us now because he comes on all the yeah. trails and he'll run 16K and he's just like In- bombing through the trails and it gives us a bit more of a purpose really now. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hardest thing with a Kelpie and a border co- or any kind of working dog is they won't stop. As yeah. in they could be exhausted but they'll be like, all right, we've got to keep going. Yeah. So you've really got to be – you know, as a parent, make sure that they don't overdo it. We actually made that mistake already, Steph, and our dog got very sick from oh, really? being like that too early on. Yeah. So yeah, he right. spent eight nights in hospital and it wasn't just our fault. He did have a, yeah. like, a, he had a bone condition where all of his joints oh, swelled yeah. up and he grew quicker than... He's, he became really lanky and he grew quicker than he should have grown. And he spent eight oh. nights in hospital down the road. And um, oh. every day he was in hospital, he actually got worse before he got better. So oh, one day we went in there and they were like, oh, we've given him some medication, but he's reacted to it. Are you sure you want to see him? And we are like, yes. And his face was like a football. And then the next time, like his face had gone down a bit, but his throat had all gone really saggy. And I'm like, oh my God, is it like, we didn't think he was going to live. We thought, we were like, is this cruel? Like how much longer can he live like this? And he just, oh, came, gosh. he just came through the other side. And he, that's why he's so special too. Yeah. Oh, God. It just gives me anxiety thinking about it. Far <laughs> out. Awful, isn't it? It was awful. It was awful. So. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad he's okay though now. Yeah. And so many people like you, you do all the Googling and stuff and the vets were like, oh, you, he's so lucky to have you because so many people wouldn't have continued to pay for all the expense that, He's costing at the moment. How can you not find the money from oh, somewhere and pay? Like, yeah. and he, but he made it through, and he's just beautiful now. He's just amazing. So, yeah. There are so many people out there who should not have dogs yeah. because they are not part of their family, and it, I, it infuriates me. Yeah. I um, I, I'll just tell. You, well, I'll try and tell you a quick story. Warning: Whenever I say long story short, it will. <laughs> Always not be short. But my mate was coming over with her daughter and she knocked on the door and her face was pale. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And she had just driven and parked near our house and she's like, I just saw a dog get hit by a car. Um, but she had a daughter with her and she's like, I can't, like I, I, my daughter can't, can't see this dog laying in the middle of the road. The dog is fine, by the way. I should preface this. The dog was great. So I was like, all right, stay here. I'll run up the road. There was this beautiful little dog called Leo and he'd escaped from the owner's apartment and had been hit by a ute, a tradie. Not the tradie's fault. He And he pulled over and he was like, what can I do? And um, I was like, look, I don't need to be anywhere. I'll help them out. If you, if you need to go, give me your phone number. I'll keep you posted. He was such a lovely guy and he was so shaken up. I'm like, mate, it's going to be fine. Anyway, turns out that it was – who I thought it was the owner, it was her son's dog that she was looking after. So she felt terrible, was trying to ring the son and couldn't get a hold of him. Um, Anyway, in the meantime, I was like, get in the car. We're going to go to the 24-hour animal hospital, took them up the road. She's still trying to call her son, um, I don't know, to get his details and figure out how to pay to get this dog fixed. Um, 
and she was also a bit hysterical. Then she started saying, oh, he's just gone up to Sydney for a week, but he's been up there for about three months. He's an entrepreneur, all this other stuff. As soon as she said he's an entrepreneur and he doesn't know when he's coming home, I'm like, he doesn't give a fuck about this dog. Um, yeah, and then she, she like, had no money, couldn't get hold of him, and the vet's just like, a, d- a decision, like, we need to know what's going on. And I'm like, on the phone to Brett, I'm like, um, I may be coming home with a dog tonight. <laughs> Is that okay? And his response was, just do what you got to do. So then I went to the vet. I said to the vet, here's my credit card. Just, just fix the dog. I don't, I can't, I cannot sit here <laughs> any longer and listen to this bullshit. The vet ended up saying, do you know what? Don't, we'll get it sorted. This is a, such a beautiful dog. Um, what we'll do is we'll get it to a different shelter or whatever it is. It's a special shelter and it will get adopted out. I, I can promise you this dog will be looked after. Anyway, that's exactly what ended up happening. Um, but, yeah, again, long story short, but some people should not have dogs. You can't move to Sydney on a whim and expect someone else to look after your dog indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, it's your it's your kid like fuck or it made me so angry yeah oh yeah anyway I ended up ringing the other shelter and I was like this is gonna be weird but this is who I am I just need to know that the dog's okay and the woman was like we can't give out those details I'm like so I explained it all to her and she's like hang on one second she came back and went Leo's fine um Give us a call tomorrow and speak to me and I'll let you know how he's going. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's my rant. But um, I, I do need to let you go, but I need to know what what Formula One, what, I know. what do you mean? Do, I know. Are you into it? I'm into it. I'm a You're a ma- petrol head now. Yeah, and I never thought I would be. Oh, my God. I'm a big Daniel Ricciardo fan. Oh. No, it's so good now. All there's lots of media around it, and the drivers, stroke athletes, they're actually really funny. And I watch some of the press conferences sometimes. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the press conferences, but they're so funny. They really put shit on each other, and they call each other out, and they're not afraid of conflict. So opposite, really, to like a triathlon. Um, press points but it's just really good so I love all the hype around it and all the little conspiracies that go on and like the racing is just a small part of it but the drivers like the lives that they lead but they're such incredible athletes too and I just Mm. really admire them and they're funny and that you know athletes from triathlon and um, cycling and Xterra, they're different. Like we're so focused mm. on training and being the best we can be that we forget about living sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the Formula One drivers, they really live as well. And I just love the way that they come across and put shit on each other. And it's just all out in the open. And I love the conflict because that's something I actually hated in triathlon. And yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. So I just, yeah, I love the whole sport now. It's really, it's all right. televised and lots of media around it and yeah just I wouldn't really say I'm a petrol head I don't really want a cool car and go and drive fast and just really into it's just good to see a different sport really yeah. and what goes on behind the scenes because there's a you know there's obviously a lot of uh, documentaries and YouTube stuff about it that you do get a good insight into 
the people yeah. around the sport. And there's some fascinating characters. Like, they're so smart, so intelligent. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to I'm gonna spend it. a bit of time. Check it out. I'll yeah. let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan- Daniel Ricciardo and Max Verstappen stuff is uh, pretty, I think, pretty funny. So. All right. <laughs> I'll start with there's a Netflix docker, isn't there, about it? Um, there is, yeah. Yeah, I'll start things. there. Yeah. Okay. There. Yeah, and then go all back, right. watch some YouTube stuff and then go back and watch it all again and you pick up on other things. So. <laughs> I'm mad for a YouTube rabbit hole. Just I'll watch something and then YouTube, like TV series, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, I'll then go down the rabbit hole of YouTube. I do it all the time. I mean, a lot mm. with actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. he's a really good actor. Who's this guy? And then you Google them and I watch, like, interviews of them in their normal life and stuff and try and yep. see a bit more about them. And, they've got, like, they've got yeah. personalities, you know, and they're interesting yeah. and funny. And, yeah, it's yep. good. I like it. I always do stuff like that. <laughs> yep. Sad. Yep. And then, then I get to the end of the day and say, oh, I haven't had time to do that. I know, I, I know. three hours on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you can say you're doing research, but I'm just like wasting time, really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Jackie, we're going to have to love you and leave you. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it was great reconnecting again. Yeah, it was really good. Thanks, Steph, and love your work, love what you're doing for triathlon and Thanks for thinking of me and just awesome to have a good chat about all things in life, really. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for the support and over the years. Like, yeah, you do an awesome job for triathlon and you've always got so many great ideas and always thinking of the latest and greatest and getting in there and you're still around mm-hmm. doing what you love. So all these years later, you've been in the sport a long time too. So, And it, it never gets been. old. You were, uh, yeah, it's very interesting everything that you're always coming out with so thanks for supporting the the sport (laughs) thank you i appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) uh all right my friend we well i'll see you some stage i'll um do you accept kids at your triathlon airbnb kids are welcome as long as they're all right with dogs then they're welcome I think Frankie will be okay. So we'll, More we'll than come welcome. up for a visit. Anytime, Steph, come and visit us. Obviously not in the next couple of weeks, but um, yep. maybe when yep. it's sunshine and come and visit and we'll take you guys out for some. There's so much amazing stuff around here to do so we can take you on all the walking and <laughs> that kind Done. of stuff. I love it. Uh, all right, my friend, I'll speak to you soon. Cool. See you, Steph. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback, but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode.